Filthy Henry Case Files The Fairy Who Came to Tea Part 3 Shelley arrived at Preston's house a little after five the following evening. She had dug deep into the dining etiquette archives, available to her online. It never ceased to amaze her just how much information from the old days had been transcribed lovingly and painstakingly to the web. Filthy Henry, for some reason, saw computers as a tool that fairy detectives should not use. He preferred to get his intel from old books and genuine ancient tomes or tricking some of the fairy folk into revealing things to him. When that failed, he usually resorted to asking Shelley in an annoying way to look things up, on the interwebs. Filthy Henry was a master of the dad joke. But Shelley knew that she used the right tool for the job, and her current case, while magical in nature, was firmly rooted in mortal knowledge. Dinner table etiquette to be precise. That was what Nick expected Preston to know correct and proper manners for mealtime. Presumably Nick, as most fairies tended to, saw the mortal rules of polite dining as an interesting hobby to have for no other reason than to tell his fairy friends about all the quaint stuff humans did. What table etiquette had to do with the right family for generations was something Shelley would really like to know. But that could wait until after she had educated Preston on what exactly Nick expected of him. She patted her coat pocket to make sure she had her notepad which hopefully had the details to crack the case. Shelley pressed the doorbell and rang for several seconds. There came a loud roar from inside the house, followed by several doors being opened so they banged into walls. The result of this cacophony of noise was Preston Wright opening the front door and glaring out at Shelley. Oh joy of joys, he said, his breath reeking of whiskey. You're back. I didn't mean to wake you, Shelley said, pulling out her notepad. Well, aren't you just the most considerate, useless magical detective in the world, Preston said, rubbing furiously at his left eye with his left thumb. Filthy Henry had prepared her for clients like this. While Shelley did not always agree with the fairy detective's methods, some things he said over the years rang with a cold logic to them. One of those things was how you dealt with a client with an attitude that bordered on the disrespectful. Right then, Preston would have gotten one of Filthy Henry's patent-pending put-downs that stopped just short of seeing somebody punched in the nose. Shelley decided to channel her inner fairy detective. Listen, you jumped up insomniac. I left yesterday because there was nothing more I could do. There are rules that have to be followed in all of these scenarios. In fact, there are just rules that must be followed. But I hired you to sort this out. I'm not done talking yet, sleeping ugly, Shelley snapped, slamming her notepad into his chest with a satisfying slap. Nick would not have allowed me to intervene in the meal at all last night, so there was no point in me remaining there all night just to watch you suffer. Then we'd both be shattered right now, and who would that help? He reached up and held her notepad close to his chest. Without waiting for Preston to speak, Shelley barged past him and into the house. She marched down the hall into the kitchen and over to the kettle. She began preparing two mugs with generous helpings of coffee tipped into one. Shelley flicked the switch on the kettle then turned around and leaned against the counter with her arms crossed. 
Preston walked in and stared at her. I'm sorry, he said, without even waiting for her to speak. I'm tired, and I don't do well with being tired. I hired you to help me, not take my verbal abuse. Shelley remained silent. In her experience, when people started to apologise for something, you waited for them to finish before speaking. Otherwise, you ran the risk of whatever you said being taken up the wrong way and the apology suddenly disappearing. So, what's the plan for tonight? It's all in the notepad, Shelley said, nodding towards Preston's hand, gripping the pad. You need to learn the lines correctly and perfectly, so that Nick doesn't spot what we're trying. But most important of all, before the strike of the dinner bell on the clock, you need to invite me using the words precisely written in the notepad. Preston opened the pad and started to flick through the pages. He stopped on the first sheet and read the first few lines. He frowned. Are you sure you won't be able to somehow wiggle out of it? Shelley shook her head, right as the kettle clicked off to indicate that it had completed boiling. She picked up the kettle and filled the mugs with hot water. Not a chance, she said, with a tone of confidence that hid her little hint of doubt. I spend most of the night bulletproofing that script. When it comes to dealing with fairies, it's all about the words you use to talk to them. You leave them no wiggle room, no ambiguity, nothing. Careful word selection is key to a conversation with fairies. My associate, Filthy Henry, taught me that. Preston sighed, shrugged his shoulders and walked over to the breakfast bar so he could sit down on a stool. Fair enough, he said, placing the notepad down on the countertop. Shelley walked over, placed the freshly made and trebly strong mug of coffee beside him, then took her own mug over to the panoramic window and stared out at the water while her client studied his lines. The dining hour approached, faster than Shelley had assumed it would. She thought they had enough time for Preston to learn his lines, and maybe even rehearse them a few times. But by the time they had drank their coffees, and her client had gotten himself freshened up for dinner, it was nearly eight. Taking the notepad and stuffing it into her back pocket, Shelley smiled at Preston. The coffee had kicked in. The man walked back into the kitchen with a bit more energy than he had when answering the door earlier. She smiled at him. Ready? Preston pursed his lips, frowned slightly, then nodded his head. Yeah, he said. Yeah, I think I am. Or as near as it can be. Do you really think this is going to work? Another lesson that Shelley had learned from her years working with Filthy Henry was that plans only worked if you showed confidence to your client. This was not to say that you flat out lied to the client about the likelihood of your plan working for them. Rather, it showed that for any plan to ever truly work, be it magical case solving or otherwise, you needed to have confidence as an ingredient. It absolutely will work, Shelley said, hoping Preston could sense the confidence oozing off each word. She glanced at the clock. They had one minute until Nick arrived. It's go time, Shelley said, pointing at the clock. Preston nodded his head a few times, then straightened up. It was time for the performance to begin. Uh, Shelley, I'm having a friend around for dinner in a little bit. Why don't you join us? Your company would lighten up the room. The last part was not, in the strictest sense, required but she felt the nicer lines sounded less likely anyone would question whether Preston Wright had come up with them himself or not. I'd be delighted, Shelley replied. Preston took a step back and gestured with a wave of his arm towards the dining room. Together they walked down the hall and into the room. 
It was still in the state of dishevelled it had been the day before. Files and paperwork strewn across the table. Without saying a word, Preston walked around to the far side of the table, cleared away some of the sheets, then pulled out the chair. Please, he said, still on book. Allow me. Why, thank you, Shelley said, walking around and sitting down in the offered chair. Preston helped her move it back again against the table. A table that had changed entirely along with the room they had walked into mere seconds before. Once again, the dining hall of a small castle had been magically transposed over Preston's own room. Every piece of furniture, scrap of paper, an ornament, had been replaced with the gothic decorations Nick preferred. Not even in the blink of an eye. This fairy had magical skills and stealth at the highest levels. Standing over by the window, staring out to sea, was the fairy, his hands clasped behind his back. Preston, the fairy said. It appears we have an extra person at my table. <laughs> Shelley looked up at her client. She could see the bead of sweat forming at his temple. Carefully, so that Nick would not be able to see, she reached over and patted him reassuringly on the hand. Oh, right. Well, Shelley was here helping me with some work, and I felt it'd be rude to have her go home and so close to dinner hungry, so I offered for her to join us. Without moving a muscle, Nick spun 180 degrees on the spot. The fairy glared at the pair of mortals before him, magical energies crackling from his eyes, causing little forks of lightning to spark from the sides of his head. You invited another person to my dinner party, the fairy asked. Uh, no, Preston said, a slight quiver in his voice. I invited my friend to join us at my house for dinner. I stated that I had a guest coming round, and she was welcome to join us. But it's my dining hall, Nick snapped. In Preston's house, Shelley pointed out. Technically, we're in your room on his land, so the laws of hospitality are being upheld. Nick went to speak, then frowned and stared at the floor. The sparks of magic coming from his eyes faded away. Well, dag to be damned, you're right, he said. Very well, you may join us. With a wave of his hand, the fairy caused two chairs to move back from the table. He gestured for Preston to sit in the one beside Shelley, while taking up the seat directly opposite both mortals. Grinning, Nick stared across the table at Shelley. That is some clever loophole work you did. Heh! <laughs> but you're not the half-breed. If memory serves, that abomination is male. Or so they say. Shelley felt her anger rise just a little. Nobody in the fairy world liked Filthy Henry. Very few people in the mortal world liked him either. But that was a different story. But amongst the fairies, the term half-breed was used to describe Filthy Henry on a regular basis. Sticks and stones could break your bones. But in a world of magic, where words were precisely chosen, words were meant to hurt you. It was why the fairy detective had worked the word filthy into his name. To show the fairy folk that they could call him what they wanted, it would never bother him. Still, as one of Filthy Henry's few friends in the world, Shelley never liked to hear people take digs at him. While he was the most annoying creature in existence, he was still, deep down, a good person. Most of the time. I work closely with Filthy Henry, Shelley said to Nick, keeping her anger in check. We're partners in the magical detective business. Ah, yes, that, Nick said, gesturing with a wave of his arm over the empty table. Golden sparks of magic filled the air in the wake of his arm, then fell to the wooden surface, 
and caused marvellous dishes of food to appear. What Shelley found impressive about The Conjuring was that the dishes were all different from the night before. Not even one dish contained the same food, aside from the fancy plate filled with golden roast potatoes. You've got a gift for cooking, I see, Shelley said. Flattery worked in the stories when dealing with fairies, so Shelley was willing to lay it on thick and heavy if it might keep Nick's mind distracted from what they were attempting. Why, thank you, <laughs> Nick said, inclining his head slightly. Mr. Wright never compliments me like that. He seems to think that conjuring fruit through magical means is simply magic. What? I always say that the meal looks delicious, Preston said defensively. There is a difference, my boy, in complimenting one's skills and praising one's presentation. Shelley reached over, slowly inching her hands towards the roast potatoes before quickly changing, so that she grabbed a plate of honey-cooked ham. Nick's eyes had tracked her movement eagerly, frowning as she did not pick up the plate of perilous potatoes. Shall I serve? she asked. Preston pushed back his seat and stood up, reaching over to take the plate of ham out of Shelley's hands. No, no, he said, a line directly from her notepad. Allow me. You're my guest after all. Please, just sit and relax. Shelley smiled as Preston lifted perfectly cooked slices of ham off the plate placing them on Nick's and Shelley's before looking after his own. He then worked around all the other dishes, leaving the roast potatoes until the very last. Then he placed two of the crispy golden orbs onto each plate before sitting down and lifting his knife and fork. Let's just enjoy the food and the company, Preston said amicably. Nick clicked his fingers three times, causing a glass of red wine to appear in front of each of their plates. He reached across the table, lifting his own glass and took a sip. The smile on his lips as he replaced the glass to its spot on the table was all the confirmation the mortals needed that it was a good vintage. Bon appetit, <laughs> the fairy said. Preston, like a good client in a magical case, followed Shelley's instructions to the letter. She could tell he was fighting all his instincts that screamed, I know how to solve this, with every fibre of his very being. Shelley knew what to watch for. As he reached towards a dish for more food, Preston's hands would pause beside the roast potatoes before continuing to another dish. Whenever Nick even mentioned the crispy golden orbs, clearly trying to get a rise out of Preston, Mr. Wright would start talking about one of the several suggested topics Shelley had written down in the notepad. And so, the meal went. Interesting conversation, sparkling wine, and fine food. Nobody rushing to eat the carbohydrate trap faster than anybody else. In fact, it seemed at one stage that Preston was even enjoying himself, leaning back in his seat and really engaging in the topic of discussion. So then there was this sheep shearer, and I swear to God, he only had one arm, and he was shaving that sheep like he had a hundred arms, Preston said, miming out the actions of shearing a sheep. And all while you were pedalling on a bike, one that generated the electricity for the clippers he was using, Shelley asked. Exactly, Preston said jumping up out of a seat and striking a pose like an Olympic cyclist. Up on stage, peddling like I'm on fire, while he's shouting at me to go faster because the clipper needs more power. The one-armed mortal was shouting at you to go faster? Ha! <laughs> Nick asked. Right, I mean, I'm not exactly unfit, but you must pedal like your life depends on it, and then some, to power those things, and this one-armed fella's roaring at me in front of an audience. 
Man had skills. Nick burst into a hearty laugh, wiping tears from his eyes. Oh, that is good, the fairy said. I mean, mortals can be entertaining when you use magic on them. But I would have loved to have seen that. Ha! Preston sat back down at the table, grinning. He looked at his empty plate, then slowly over to the last remaining roast potato. Out of the corner of her eye, Shetty could see his lips moving as he ran over the lines in his head, before making his opening gambit. With both hands, Preston picked up the dish and angled it towards Shelley and Nick, so that the spud slid down and stopped in the corner. With a nod of his head, indicating the crispy potato, he waved the dish at Nick and Shelley. Would uh, anybody like this last potato? he asked. The game, as some other famous detective used to say, was afoot. Shelley straightened up in her seat and waited for her time. Ah, well now, I'm full, but that potato does look delicious, Nick said, a devilish grin on his lips. Shelley waited for the fairy to lift his fork up in the air, then made her move. Well, I wouldn't mind it, she said. This had the desired impact on Nick. His fork froze mid-flight. The fairy sat upright in his chair, eyes open wide his head turning slowly so he could face Shelley dead on. Oh, would you now? the fairy said in a flat tone. Shelley said nothing in response because Preston was the one who had to speak next. If he managed to get the line's word perfect, it would lock the three of them into a ritual. The ritual of the last potato. Preston cleared his throat with a phlegmy cough, getting both their attention. Well, if at all possible, I'd really like the last one, he said. It was not word perfect, but the basic message of what Shelley had wanted him to say was there. Enough that Nick would now be locked into a dance with the two mortals. Unlike the previous night when he was able to use that clever wordplay to get the last spud, tonight the fairy would have to really work to get it. According to all her research, Shelley had discovered that part of the problem Preston was trying to solve was ridiculously simple. He had to get the potato, while offering it up to everyone else at the table first. Taking it before offering was poor etiquette, making his claim to the spud null and void, as somebody at the table could then take it outright. Likewise, trying to take all the potatoes in one go was a surefire way to lose that last spud. Preston's problem was that he did not know these rules and had not bothered to learn them during the day when Nick was not around. Instead, Preston had tried his very best just to come up with ever-increasingly bad plans to try and cheat Nick out of the last spud from loading up on them all at the start to stealing the last one when Nick was not looking. A mortal trying to cheat a fairy at their own game. There was only ever going to be one loser in these sorts of situations, and it sure as Dagda would not be the fairy. Nick leaned back in his seat, lifted his wine, and took a long sip while looking from Preston to Shelley and back again. The fairy replaced his glass on the table and sighed. Well, isn't this all suddenly very interesting? Fair enough. I feel that since I cooked the dinner, I should get the last roasty. I mean, as a reward for all my hard work. Shelley snorted. She couldn't help it. Sometimes the arrogance of the fairy folk was funny. What mortals did by hand counted as work. Yet a fairy conjuring something using magic was labour for them. Snapping your fingers is hardly hard work, she said. While it is true you prepared this wonderful meal, I'm a guest of Preston's. I really relished those spuds most of all, 
so perhaps I can have it. Nick snorted through his nose at her, then flicked his eyes towards Preston. What do you say to that, mortal? the fairy asked. It seems as if we have a compound guest request situation going on. Do you know the next step in the dance we're performing? Preston closed his eyes and placed the roast potato dish back on the table. Well, it seems that Shelley does really want it. She's my guest. So I feel that we should let her have it. Even though I would have loved to savour the very last one before we finished the most fantastic meals. But ladies first and all that. Nick scoffed at this statement and stood up from the table, pushing back so hard that his chair toppled over. Are you dagged as serious? How did you know that was the right thing to say? The fairy slammed his fist into the tabletop, knuckles first so hard that it caused every dish to rattle and bounce around on the spot. Shelley managed to grab her glass of wine right before it toppled over. Preston protected the last savoury spud from a similar wine spillage, lifting the dish away from his own falling wine glass. Nick was getting agitated, not a hint of humour in his voice now. I feel that as the cook, I should be allowed to enjoy the last morsel on the table. But there's loads of plates with food still on them, Preston said, indicating all the other full plates with a wave of his hand. Thankfully, Shelley had not had to prompt the man to speak. Part of the dance they were doing was like most fairy verbal contracts. The order in which each of them spoke dictated who had control of the conversation. If she had pointed out all the other plates with food remaining, it would have meant Preston had to talk then about the potato, thus giving Nick the upper hand. How Filthy Henry had engaged in conversations like this for over sixty years was impressive. He rarely, if ever, gave any fairy the advantage in a conversation, and yet always seemed to come out on top in the end. Nick clapped his hands three times. All the dishes disappeared, apart from the one with the remaining potato. I don't see any other plates with food, the fairy said, his voice dripping with sarcasm. But I do see that one spud left and I want it. Shelley smiled. The plan had worked perfectly. Not only had Preston spoken out of turn, but now Nick had spoken twice. It was all done by the singing, as the saying went. She reached over and took the plate out of Preston's hands. The man gave it to her willingly, staring down with a longing at the spud as it slid around in the grease and fat at the bottom of the dish. Well, I must say I've thoroughly enjoyed myself tonight, Shelley said, piercing the potato with her fork and lifting it out of the dish. She placed it on her own plate. But I really must be going. Preston and Nick looked at the potato, then up at each other. Shelley watched as the fairy smiled. The very same smile that all fairies who thought they had gotten the upper hand used when dealing with mortals. She has the potato, Preston, Nick said, pointing at it. I'm not sure you'll be getting much sleep tonight. Immediately, Shelley raised her hand in the air and motioned for him to stop talking. Actually, she said, I'm rather full. My eyes are bigger than me belly. Preston, why don't you have it? She offered her plate to Mr. Wright, smiling and nodding towards him to take it. With shaking hands, Preston reached out and took the plate. The look on his face was like he had just been handed a live grenade with the pin pulled. He gripped the sides of the dish tightly. Now hold on a second, Nick said. I said I wanted it more than Preston, and he hasn't expressed his desire in the correct manner. That potato should be mine. Yes, but it's mine to give away, Shelley said. See, I won the potato fair and square, 
Ergo, it's my potato to give. Now before you try and confuse Preston with fairy logic, he has won. That potato's still a spud from this meal. I just have claim over it. So that means I can transfer it if I want to. Meaning Preston right now is in possession of the last spud and has gotten it through the correct steps. Which means, Mr. Wright, that you can go ahead now and eat it. Preston picked up the roast potato and smashed it into his mouth, chewing quickly before swallowing. Judging by the size of the lump that appeared in his throat, he had practically inhaled the potato whole. With a sizable deep breath and impressive control over his esophagus, Preston finished eating the spud. Is that it? he asked, looking at Shelley then Nick. Did we do it? Nick dropped back into his chair, or rather the fairy tried to. Since it had toppled over, all the fairy managed to do was crash into the ground and land on his bum. I can't believe it, the fairy said. After your father avoided me all those years, I was sure I'd be able to get the house off you. What? Wait? I thought you said that Preston's family had partaken in this horrific dinner for generations. Making a fairy blush is no easy task but Shelley had managed to get Nick a shade of red so bright it would have made fresh strawberries jealous. He stood up, dusted down his clothes, then waved his hands in the air and returned Preston's dining room back to its original appearance. Yes, about that I guess. You see, it turns out that Preston's great times eight grandfather wasn't the slowest mortal in the world. The Wright family's wealth is guaranteed via magical means as long as a few conditions are met that this house remains in the family, and that once they sit down for the first refresh of the contract, they can abide by the rules of good table manners. Shelley looked at Preston. Did you know about this? He shook his head. Not a bit of it. When I inherited the house from my dad, he did mention something about never selling it, but he never said anything about having to host this fairy. Ah yes, your father, Nick said. You see, your father used the wealth of the family to invest in property all over the world. It just so happened that the night I appeared here, he was living in another country for a couple of months. The terms of our agreement state that I can appear for one week, each generation, to renew things. But if nobody's here for that week, then I just have to wait for the next person to take ownership of the house. Meaning the rules of hospitality wouldn't have applied to Preston's father, Shelley said, snapping her fingers with a loud click. So... Preston is the first member of the family you've dealt with in years. Nick nodded his head. And I'm guessing if the house ever changes ownership, for whatever reason, you're off the hook for providing their wealth. Another nod of the fairy head. So keeping Preston awake each night was a ploy? Get him so tired that he would eventually give up the house and thus relieve you of your obligations? Nick's last head nod was the saddest Shelley had ever seen. Preston started laughing. Are you kidding me? he said. I'm going to write all of this down so you're on the hook for the rest of your miserable fairy life. Shelley's fist met Preston's cheek right on the money. The man spun around on the spot like a cartoon before crashing to the ground unconscious. It appeared that once again, Filthy Henry's declaration that humans could be just as evil as fairies was right. He paid you first, right? <laughs> Nick asked pointing down at Preston. I'll get the rest out of him tomorrow, she said. Do me a solid and wipe the last few minutes from his mind. But you were done eating dinner with Preston, understood? 
If I hear you've come back tomorrow because you wiped the completion of the meal from his memory, then you get to deal with me and Filthy Henry. Nick grinned. It would be my pleasure, the fairy said, waving a finger at Preston and causing seven little red sparks to appear. The sparks drifted through the air, floating down like specks of magical dust, and mingled into the man's hair. They faded away from sight. Shelley assumed that Nick was a fairy of his word, and he had only removed the knowledge of how to keep the right wealth going forever. Well, my dear lady, it's been an evening, Nick said, straightening his clothes. Don't take this the wrong way, (laughs) but I hope I never see you again. Likewise, Shelley said. Although, I wouldn't mind getting the recipe for those potatoes before you go. Filthy Henry Case Files The Fairy Who Came to Tea is an original story by Derek Power. Narration and music by Niall Milton. Other works by Derek Power are available to buy right now on Amazon Kindle. And don't forget to subscribe or leave a rating or review on your platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you.